Welcome to Paul Mort Talk Shit. Curious fellow, but I like him. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. He's a shady character. What's his name? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another random off-the-cuff episode of Paul Mort Talks Shit. Now, I did say I was, well, truth is, I wasn't going to do a podcast for months. Hang on time, my schedule. Uh, but my friend Joe is here today, and we had a bit of spare time in both our schedules, so we thought, fuck it, let's get uh, Joe Woodhouse on Paul Mort Talks Shit. Welcome, Mr. Let's Woodhouse. Go. Excited? Very. Are you nervous? Very. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to ask. <laughs> All right, so, mate, I'm not going to do that thing where it's like tells your backstory. I'm just going to dive straight into it. Okay. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to kind of what your trade is and that now, but I want to blast out some value straight away. Okay. I want to blast out straight into the value. Um, cost of living crisis. Yep. What should I be doing? Spend. Mentally. Yeah. And practically. Oh, good question. So I think the first thing you need to be doing really is which a lot of people do, and I put a video out about this this morning, you stop playing a victim. So, yes, things are more expensive. Yes, your energy bills have gone up. Yes, if you're living, if you're renting, your rent's probably going to go up. Yes, your mortgage is probably going up as well. It but is. I think today, mine's oh, gone it? up. I think today, I... Trade finished. I, I. Um, but look, at the end of the day, sort of take stock on all the other stuff that you're spending shit on. Take stock of what you've been doing for the last one, two, three years. Because uh, it's useful to do that anyway. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know yourself, and you you actually you're a big advocate of this, and you taught me this. Is that look, it, there's something very empowering of stop. If you're pointing the finger at everyone else and playing the victim, you're giving that power away. There's something really empowering of going. I fucked up. I've spent too much money. I'm where I am in life, financially, happiness, fitness, or business mm-hmm. because of the choices I've made up until this decision, up until this point in my life. So first thing you're just taking stock of it's your fault, good or bad. And then second, you know, it's mad you've said that, mate. I love that you said that. And, and I'm, I'm going to interrupt you here. Sorry for that. I do it all the time. No, you do. But <laughs> so most <laughs> I, I made a post on Facebook and I said, what's something that you do that makes your life harder than necessary? The amount of people that said the government, I'm like, read the fucking question again. The government makes me life harder than necessary. I'm like, I didn't even ask that question. I didn't say what makes it. I said, what do you do? And I'm like, the question was about personal responsibility. And it's so easy, like you said there, to blame everybody else for what's happening in your life. It's easier than taking responsibility, isn't it? Yeah. So the first piece you've got is take responsibility. Yeah, definitely. And then secondly, the easiest thing to do is just have an audit of what's going out. So do a sprinkle in your direct debits and your standing orders. No one wants to do it, does it? But I can guarantee the shit in there, you don't know what you're paying. Mm Mm-hmm. And if there's something on there that you don't know what it is, just cancel it. And if it's important, they'll write to you or they'll contact you. Mm. Isn't it weird that we avoid that, don't we? It's like, so I'm doing a time audit again right now. And I tell people all the time, they're trying to grow the business. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not getting done what you said you would do or you're stuck because you don't know where your time's going. Like, I don't need to hire somebody to don't know what the role is or I need an assistant. I'm like, you need, you need to know what you're doing. And they never do the time audit because it reveals, it's same as money, it reveals what you're about. Yeah. yeah. It reveals it, it, actually it exposes where you, you didn't it? Yeah. Well, I say to people that are time poor, I'm like, people that are, say that time poor can never tell me where it's gone. I'm like, well, where's it gone? Show me where it's gone and they can't. 
because they don't know, and, and it, that, it, that happens with money. Exactly the same with people with money. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I predominantly deal with a lot of British expats based out in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So people living in Dubai who earn very good money, mm-hmm. yet the amount of people that have been there one, three, five, ten years and have got either not got a pot to piss in mm-hmm. or they've not got anywhere near the amount that they should. Yeah. And the first thing I say to people is work out how much money you have actually spent since you've lived there. And when they do that, it's frightening. <laughs> frightening. I thought Dubai was okay until I came back from Thailand. I was saying before, spent 600, <laughs> 600 quid in 10 days in Thailand. I spent it in two hours in Dubai. That a dinner. One meal. <laughs> I had dinner with the kids at Asia, Asia. Sorry, Asia, Asia. Maybe you'll sponsor me next time. Eh? <laughs> I'm turning into one of them fuckers. Um, so we got that. And, and I think the next piece of that is then, is... I had a question in my head and it was amazing. So, but no, back to you on about with a timesheet. Yes. Do exactly the same yes. but for money. Yeah. Do a budget. Why do we not want to do it? Oh, here's what I was thinking. We don't want to do it because you get caught in this balance of you find out the facts versus how your feelings and your feelings always get exposed when you think about the facts or I feel like this and I feel like that. I'm like, what? And that money tracking shows you the fucking facts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So keep a money diary, keep a track of what you're spending and where your money's actually going. And a lot of people... For that exact same reason, they sort of they're frightened of doing a budget, or they won't do a budget. Mm. All a budget is doing it's just you telling your money where to go instead of your money controlling you. Mm. That's it. What are some? I was I was just thinking about this before when you were talking about it. Beliefs around money, because I think that a lot of people's money problems actually don't stem from the government. I don't stem from. I think most people's money problems come from the beliefs around money. Like when I say what's money. You hear shit like, oh, it's the root of all evil or it doesn't grow on trees. And like, I learned a few years ago that money flows to value. And I heard Rob Moore has very opinionated about money, my friend Rob. And he says that money goes to value, but actually money goes to people that value money. The people that value the money the most tend to attract the most money. People that don't have any don't actually value it. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a really interesting concept that. So what's some, what are some of the mindsets? It's a, it's a very random question. What are some of your beliefs around money? that you think have got your head around it. That's, I think, what it is, isn't it? It's yeah. getting your head around money. It is, but I think a lot of people hide behind that as well, of mm. what's your money personality, my my money personality trick. Because there's a test you can do online, which basically put, oh, you, put you in a box, yeah, yeah. of are you this, are you that? Are you a saver, are you a spender, are you an investor, are you all these different sort of traits or some of the different colour codes, are you green, are you red, are you blue? And I think people hide behind that as an excuse again to mm. go... This says that I'm ex with money, therefore it's, I love it's it when not people my say, fault. I, lo- I had that. a conversation the other day that I loved with my friend Tom, and he was he was asking me about money box, right? And he was saying, I've moved it around and it's still down. I'm like, well, the number one thing with investing for me is you got to fucking leave it. Yeah. Stop fucking fucking yeah, around with it. And then in the, the same time. sentence, he said, oh, but money's not important to me. I'm like, stop saying that. Yeah. Stop saying that. I'm not driven by money. What, but you're moving money around money box, trying to out, you brought up a trying to out, trying to out conversation about it. With I mean, me mate, you're well, trying yeah. to outguess the experts. <laughs> you're trying to actually out trade people that do it for a living. Just give them your money, let them make your money. And, and I said this, but all at the, the same time. conversation, I'm like, you've just said you're yeah. moving all that around. You're spending all this time, and then you're saying, but I'm not, I, I'm not driven by money. I hate it when people say that. Yeah. And it's about time in the markets, not timing the markets. And I say that on a regular basis. And if you look at COVID, okay, so COVID when the world ended. So in in March... I wish I'd invested in Zoom, by the way. Well, I know. 
<laughs> fucking hell. Took over the world, didn't it? I think at one bit, it, Zoom was bigger than every US airline combined. No. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. The value of Zoom was bigger than every single US airline combined. Does it even matter? No one's came out to rival it yet. Have they? You've got Microsoft Teams, you've got Google. You have Google Meets. I don't like them. Zoom's still crushing them all? How? What's happening? I don't know. I reckon they're just buying all these fucking smaller companies that are trying to take them on and stealing all their ideas. Sorry, mate, I interrupted you. That's about Um, the COVID. Yes, yes, with COVID. So in in March of that year, the stock market dropped by 40%, Mm -hmm. which obviously you heard about all over the news when the world grew and everything else. What you didn't hear in the news is that if you remained invested in the global stock market from January to December that year, you'd have made 15%. That's exactly what I made. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the words and exactly that amount. That's mad. And like I say, it just highlights it's not timing the market. It's about time in the market. And the only people that lost out that year are your DIY investors. Like like your mate. Yeah. Yeah. Who thought, right, I'll buy out and I'll sell back in at X. And it just doesn't work. No one knows where the market's going to go in the short term. Yeah. So no one knows where the market's going to be in six months. Politicians don't know. The hedge fund managers don't know. Fucking, you make Dave down the local boozer, he Definitely certainly doesn't know. know. No. So just keep it invested because yeah. over the medium to long term, they only ever go in one direction, which is up. You know, if you're getting advice from anyone in, who's in the investing game, that's the number one thing. Le- leave the money, especially when it's going down. Everyone's an expert though. Leave they? it. Ah, it's mad, isn't it? But the real experts, all of them will have that same advice. Know where your money's going, have a fucking audit, and leave the money. Yeah. Leave it. Just leave it. Even when it's up, leave it. Yeah, and continue investing. Where else is it going to go? Do you know what I mean? I might, well, that's in there. I might put it somewhere else. Joe, what got you into the money game? Um, My brother playing Sunday League football. Well, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) So I left school at 16. Yeah. I was, I was always that kid at school that I picked things up really well as a kid. Um, and like my dad had these aspirations of me going to college and university and being the first Woodhouse to ever go to uni and then he wanted me to become a lawyer and but I fucking hated school. I got all my work done, but I worked out or very good at retaining information. So <laughs> the teachers hated me because what I used to do, I used to get all my work done as quick as possible. And then distract everyone else. And yeah, then stop everyone very else familiar. From doing theirs. Very familiar tale. Um so I left school. Trying to make everyone else laugh from much, around yeah. I. Yeah. Into yeah push every boundary possible. Yeah. I was never like a malicious kid. I was never yeah. nasty, but yeah. I'd find teachers' limits and mm-hmm. keep trying to push it a little bit further. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so I left school at 16 and I was going to college in the September. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I was doing A-levels. And the only reason I would go to college because I had it drilled into me from a young age. That's what you have to do. From teachers and my dad. If, you're not, if you don't go to college, if you don't go to university, you're a bin man. Or you work on markets with me. Cause my old man's a market trader, sells second-hand bric-a-brac Sheffield Market. Ah, okay. Which, yeah, I fucking hate. Yeah. So I, w- I weren't going to do that. Yeah. So I wanted a, a good job. I didn't know what a good job was, but I wanted a good job, so I went to college. And then when I was, yeah, so I left school in the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was like, right, what are you going to do for a job? I'm like, I'm going to college. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're getting a part-time job. Um. So... <laughs> And this went on for two weeks. My mum and dad had got to work. My mum had kicked me out of the house yeah. in the morning. You have to pay board in that. What's that? Were you paying board in that? Paying board. 
Is that what you guys call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Board money, yeah. Board money, yeah. Uh, I've got, got no money coming I was in. earning 40 quid a week and paying 30 of it to me and Ma. My mum and dad used to take a third of my wages <laughs> off me. <laughs> but I very quickly learned art. Me and you all talking to the kids the other day, right? There was one point in my life where I had three jobs at the same time. I was an apprentice and I was on a YTS. So YTS was something like 100 quid a month for full-time work. And I'd go and work through the day. Then on a night time, I'd work in the local leisure centre, right? Cleaning the changing rooms and that. Cleaning saunas and steam rooms. Disgusting job, by the way. And then on a weekend, I'd work in a fucking bar on a night time. See, I never had that because when I started working at, at Lloyd's Bank, which I'm coming on to in a minute. But the bad part about working in the bars, I'd go and straight away, I'd go from the bar to a club and spend every penny that I just got <laughs> cash on easing booze. <laughs> <laughs> like literally it would you know when people say it's burning a hole in my pocket it wouldn't even make it in my pocket be straight on say that fucking ridiculous I'd work in a bar to pay for a night out in a club yeah mental that anyway <laughs> things you do Lloyd's Bank yeah so I, so my mum my was like right you need to get a job I'm yeah. like yeah okay so I used to go out every morning pretend to go and find a job second day I went to work I'd come back home and just sit and play on my playstation or whatever it were back then and then a couple of weeks in my mum were clearly moaning about me one Sunday when my brother was playing football for a Sunday league team. And one of the other parents, one of the other mums, Julie, she was a bank manager. And she's like, oh, I'll give him a job. Never met her. Uh. So my mum came home that day. She's like, right, I've got you an interview at a bank. Her exact words were, do not fuck it up. And I was like, right, okay. So I went to this interview. Didn't know really what the job were. I actually took a mate with me to the interview. I weren't interested in getting a job. You took your mate with you. Yeah, we were in town. Do you know what that reminds us of? Have you seen Step the movie Step Brothers before? <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. That's the first thing that popped up yeah. in my head. Amazing. So I walked into this bank with a mate, um, and she pulled me to one side, and she looked me up and down, and she said, come here. And she took me in a room, and she went, listen, I've promised your mother I'm going to give you a job. Drop the fucking cocky attitude. I know you switched on. You're getting this job. She went, go and lie to, I'm going to ring your mother now and told her I've given you the job. So if you lie to her, she'll know. I get out. Sure. And I walked out of this bank, I was like, I've just got a job at a bank that I tried not to get. It was the weirdest situation ever. So anyway, so I started working Saturdays as a cashier at Lloyd's Bank in Sheffield. And I just fell in love with it. Really? And, yeah, mate, like, I fell in love Which with part of it? The talking to people. Yeah. Um, so do you know, like, it's, I think it's, it's a little bit different now, but back then, you know what? Nearly twenty years ago, you get now. people coming in every week with a from shops with a. But how you much used cash to get the cashiers, didn't you? Going, yes. do you want an account upgrade? Do you want a credit card? Do you want a loan? Yeah, I was like a dog with a bone. Really? Yeah, um, and literally, people would avoid me in the queue because they'd heard me pitching five or six people before them, so they'd wait for someone else before Wait, Did me. you get commission like? Yeah, we used. I think it was three quid. A, if I referred it on, I'd get three quid a sale or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's, I just, two, that's two bottles of WKD there in Sheffield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I just developed this obsession for talking to people and sales, and then I read every sales book going. And so I sort of fell into it through that route. It could yeah. have easily been selling cars, it could have been yeah. selling mobile phones, it could have been anything. But I was lucky enough to fall into selling within a bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the back of that, took all my exams, then started pestering from me being 17 to become an account manager and start. Um, doing the loans, doing the credit cards, doing the bank accounts myself. Mm-hmm. But legally, if you're not old enough to take a loan, you're not old enough to sell a loan Oh, either. shit. I mean, that enough. makes sense. Yeah, it does what you say out loud. Uh, I wouldn't have it at the time. Yeah. Pestered and I pestered and I pestered. Um, and they kept putting obstacles in my way. Do these exams, then we'll do it. So I did them. 
do this, hit this target, then we'll do it. And I did them. Um, and then when I were 18, I then got the promotion to that and then just sort of grew that way. Yeah. Um, and fell into it that way. And when when did you make the decision to kind of do it for yourself? Was there anything that triggered that? or Do you know what I mean? Because you, you, you're obviously self-employed now, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've sort of been self-employed since I was 22. Mm-hmm. So when I was... So my first mentor, if you want to call him, that guy called John Green, my best mate, best man at my wedding, what best man it is. He's 10... So John's got 10 years on me. And when I started working at the bank, 16, 17, 18... He was the guy with the Porsche. He was the guy with the nice house. Top he G. Were, yeah, he was like in his late 20s at the time. Yeah. Everyone loved him. Yeah. He six foot four, big. So, I mean, yeah. massive presence about him. Not yeah. that I've ever been or ever will be near, anywhere near six foot four. But, and I'm like, I want that. That's what I want. So, I just spent as much, I just pestered him, spent as much time around him as possible. Yeah. We then became good mates. Yeah. Um, he then moved to Abu Dhabi. 2008, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 18 months later, he says, look, I've got a job. I want you to come out and work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest is history, I suppose. That's so let's, uh, to Abu Dhabi. let's stay here. When did, because obviously how we met was through my program. You came to me. Yep. I remember you sent us the email. I thought you were full of shit. <laughs> we'll get on to that. When did things start to unravel for you there? Because it unraveled a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, like, what was that process? God, so because it's not all sunshine and I left no, no, no. And so I, I moved to Abu Dhabi when I was twenty-two, yeah, and overnight started earning more money than I could ever imagine. And back then, Abu Dhabi must have been a bit wild west. Uh, it wasn't as bad as people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, no one had heard of it. Like yeah. the amount of people I'd say, "Oh, I'm moving to Abu Dhabi," and they're like, "Oh, is that in Wales?" <laughs> not quite. Um, <laughs> Next it, to Abu Dhabi, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's always been like ten years behind Dubai, yeah. Um, but it, it, I loved it. Like, yeah. I absolutely love the place. And went out there, early 20s, earned more money than I can imagine. Um, and I turned into a bit of a dick um, like in my early to mid-20s. Who hasn't, man? Who hasn't? Yeah. And But I stopped looking at things as money as well, which is a fucking dangerous game to go down. I started looking at things as another deal or another client. So I started looking at ex- sort of expensive things as, well, it's just, I just need to work a bit harder next week and I'll make it back. Yeah. So I stopped giving things a monetary value. I mean, I were earning money. My account was still increasing. Luckily, I was still doing well. Yeah. Um, without really thinking about it and practicing what I actually preach to people. And what brought me down with a bang was we changed companies um, the new company wasn't quite what I expected. Mm. I didn't earn money for I think six months with this new company. And at the time, Laura and I were going through IVF mm. in Abu Dhabi because we couldn't have kids naturally, yeah. which is an expensive hobby out there because <laughs> there's no NHS, there's no funding, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, and I very quickly then ran out of money. Mm. And we've already spoken about this already, so like a victim mentality and that me... That for me were a massive wake up call because I was like, "This company shit, the market shit at the minute. I'm not earning money. Why me? Why are we? Why can't we have kids? It's costing me twenty grand a throw for this IVF. Why? Why? Why?" And it were only when I eventually took stock and looked back, I was like, "Hang on, Joe. You spent all this money for the last five years. I'm not gonna say the figure because it's frightening. <laughs> it's 
spent all this money for the last five years. You've got a massive. What have you spent it on? I've got a four bedroom detached house with ceilings. Each room was the size of this building. We've got four flash, two flash cars on the drive. I'd got a personal driver. We've got an housemaid. We'd got this insane lifestyle. Mm. One of the separate living rooms we got in the house, I kitted out as a, a full bar. And I'm talking like a proper English bar. I got a. Bear in mind, we're renting this house. Oh, well, the I didn't own it. The pulleys. Mate, I got a, I got a bar size off size of this room. Every optic you can imagine. Spent a fortune on all these sports pictures. Remember, just I was just spending my money. <laughs> Memorabilia. On shit. Yeah. Shit. I got all sorts. It was insane. But it was only when I actually realised that this is what I've actually been doing this last five years. But when it like so that for me was a big wake up call, mm. and so it was a big turning point. Mm from a financial standpoint anyway, yeah. of sort of taking responsibility and mm-hmm. being a bit more structured and sort of getting to where I am now with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of... What was the question about struggling? When did you start on... When did it start unraveling for you? So that was... I thought about this the other day, right? So the quick answer is when my mum died in 2021, mm-hmm. two years ago. However, looking back... I I think I had a few panic attacks in my mid-twenties. Like, we, I've always been a really sociable person. I've always liked to be the loudest person in the room, the centre of attention. And there were a couple of sales meetings we had where there were, like, 50 people in a room. And I started sweating. And I then start shaking. And then literally, like, burning up and just losing complete... Co- and just had to get out of the room. Mm. It was the weirdest thing to the point where the first time it happened, I ran into, I didn't know what was going off, ran into the toilets next to the meeting room, purposely put my fingers down my throat to make myself throw up so everyone in the meeting room could hear that I'd thrown up. Oh, sure. So I could then make an excuse of Oh, shit. Okay, I get it. I get it. Aye. And it was only when I got I sat back after I'm like, that was insane what you've just done. But I, I couldn't work out what it didn't know why it worked, couldn't work out why it worked or anything. And I also weren't sleeping very well at the time because I've never been a great sleeper. Mm. Um, and knowing what I know now, looking back now, I think it was sort of a, an amalgamation. Amalgamation? Is that word? That word? word? Amalgamation. Word. Amalgamation. Of money problems, stresses at work, new company, IVF, and just everything else going on. It happened twice, actually. Mm. Um, and back then, I, I actually spoke to a psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist, I don't know, what you, whatever they call them. And the first thing she wants to do is put me on these tablets, which I've always been very anti, rightly or wrongly, just because I've seen what they've done to people around me. Yeah. Do you know what's mad, Joe? I was, it's mad that you've said that. I was talking to my mum about this yesterday. Someone sent me an article. It was Joe Dispenza's been talking about it on one of his courses where he's like, actually, what the found is now, and it's like proven, is that the only thing that antidepressants work for is as a placebo. Like, they actually don't change any brain chemistry. They just work as a placebo. And they did a massive study where, and again, this is not me being a doctor. Don't take this as medical advice. Seek out medical advice. Where they tested, it was it was a lot of people where they said, he has a, an actual antidepressant, he has a placebo, and they both got the same results. Isn't that mad? Yeah. Isn't that mad? I just think that's I'm I'm on this at the minute. I'm like fucking hell. That's very. That's how powerful. Think about this. That's how powerful your brain is. That's how powerful your thoughts are. And 
And they said that just thinking you were taking something that benefited your mental health, benefited your mental health. <gasps> it's in, isn't that insane? Yeah. And this was always scared me because I've, I've come to realise over the years what I think is common sense isn't very common. Mm. And I've... I'm quite good at solving problems and I would like to think I'm very sharp when it comes to solving issues and thinking outside the box with stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I were always super paranoid that any sort of tablet, drug, anything like that would dull that and numb that. Mm. And I didn't want to lose that edge, mm. um, which is why... Like, well, I lost that edge. Fuck me. Jesus. I get where you're coming from there. I lost that edge. Yeah. Zombie. Um, so yeah, the first one I met... I literally spent an hour with her and I walked in and said, listen, don't prescribe me your drugs, I won't take them. No. And if you try, I'll not come back. No. And lo and behold, at the end of the, the hour, she's like, well, I think you should. And I'm like, listen, I'm not coming back here again. Mm. And that with that, packed that in. Then sort of flash forward. So this is before your mum died, this? Oh, yeah, this were, jeez, this should have been what? Ten years ago. Really? Yeah, yeah. Shit. Um, and then it, it, it didn't go away. I just sort of ignored it. Pushed it, pushed it to a side. Mm -hmm. um, we then had a few more years in the Middle East. Moved back to Abu Dhabi. It's fat Joe in Abu Dhabi. Oh, very Fat Joe was fat in Abu Joe. Dhabi. Yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe posted something on his Instagram, and I didn't know this, but Fat Joe, Jesus, <laughs> it doesn't even look like you. And yeah. I, I mean, I know you've got hair in it and that, but like, well, it I, I were holding on, weren't I? You, <laughs> Let's be uh, honest. You're, <laughs> you're clinging on. It was more like I see your hair. It was Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blow it too hard. Aye. <laughs> So that was then, that was where Fat Joe was in. Yeah. Joe, Fat Joe was in, not looking after your health. No, because again, I, I was victim with it, weren't I? Because I was flying all around Middle East, around the Middle East, we work, living out of hotels four days a week. Um, and you're I in that game, you entertain clients and that, don't you? Is that a thing? Did, Is that yeah, a thing? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But it was more, I've not got time to eat right and I've not got time for breakfast in the morning. So what I used to do, I used to stay in these hotels, didn't have breakfast, get up, work, meeting straight away, all day, wouldn't eat, just drink coffee all day, <laughs> cafe lattes all day, which is probably about 300 calories each. But I were eating, to be fair. But then I'd come to like three, four o'clock, absolutely starving, driving around Saudi Arabia between meetings, like, right, KFC, stop, going to KFC, because I was that hungry at that point, I'd get two meals, literally wolf these KFC down, sat in the car, back in the car, more meetings, get back to the hotel at night, yeah. it gets 10, 11 o'clock at night, starving again. So I'd raid the minibar or I'd go downstairs and just eat crap. Yeah. And that was what I would do in four days a week. Yeah. Then because I, because I were away four days a week in Saudi Arabia, I'd then come back, then go on the piss hole weekend in Abu Dhabi because mm. I'd not seen Laura, I'd not seen my mates. So I like this And you wanted to let off some steam after all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and it just, one kilo turned into five kilo, turned into 10 kilo, turned into, at the wor at my worst, I was, 120 kilo. Fuck me. Bearing man, I'm five foot nine. Shit. And half. Big jaw. Big round so, um, jaw. Yeah. I swallowed a beanbag. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like a bag Swall of soup. Swallowed a, like a bag of soup. And what was the, what did you say was the wake up call around that then? Was that a photo or was it a... Um, so, boys were born 2018 mm -hmm. and I don't want to be a fat dad, but I'll do it next week. Then, oh, but, but they were born, they had two weeks in nickel, which were a horrible experience, but, oh, I'll wait till they're out of hospital. Then they weren't, then obviously the sleepless nights start, oh, I'll wait till they're sleeping. Then I'll wait till this, then I'll wait for that, and it never happened. 
Um, but it went back in my mind at this point. I'm like, I need to change. I need to change. I need to change. But I just never did. Mm. And then my mum, summer of 2019, I'll never forget the phone call. I was driving um, in Dubai. My mum phoned me. She's like, are you driving? I'm like, yeah. She went, pull up. I'm like, what's up? She went, just pull up and ring me back. I'm like, what is wrong? She went, just pull up and ring me back. And that when she told me she got cancer. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking hell. So we then... We then came back for the summer. Um, What's your immediate thought? I've never dealt with this. When she tells you that. I don't think I did. You I know. fobbed it off because my mum's a bit of a hypochondriac. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm like, they've told you you've got cancer, or she's like, more they found a lump. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we've not got cancer there. Well, they've said come back next week. Mm. And it was like this four-week progression uh. of, it was, it was horrendous, mate. So it were we found a lump, come back for a biopsy. Did the biopsy, come back for the results. But when they did, when they did the biopsy, it was like, right, bring someone with you. That's what they said to her. Mm. So, and it were at that point, my mum phoned me. Oh, shit. And okay. I'm like, but they've not said you've got cancer. It might not be. Yeah, no. it's cancer, Joe. It's cancer. I've got cancer. I'm like, mum, it might not actually. Anyway, so we had this. So I sort of pushed it aside. I think pushed it aside. Yeah. Then they went for the test and it was cancer. Um, then they did another biopsy the week after that. It was stage three, which is serious but treatable. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, she got a phone call saying we've done another test on it and it's stage four. Fuck. You're going to die. Shit. Um, and, and then what's your, what's your mind doing here? I threw my phone in a, in a canal. Oh, yeah, I found out. Hell. Um, or at Laura's mum's. So this was so this was summer 2019. Uh. Laura had been unhappy in the Middle East for about six months. She'd had the, we've got the boys now. The boys are warm. Yeah. The last six months, because I were then back and forth again, flying around. She's like, look, Joe, I'm a single parent three days a week, three, four days a week. Like, something's got to change. Yeah. I've been, I want to go home. Mm-hmm. I've had enough. This is the same story that I had. So I tried talking around because I was like, no, my business is here. I can't leave, da, 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 all this. She's like, well, can't you do it from the UK? And I'm like, so we'd sort of like, we were 70% there. I said, look, what we'll do, we'll try it for three months and see how it works. But if it doesn't work, we're coming back. And she agreed, but I think secretly she was like, I ain't coming back. And then at that time as well is when I found out my mum got cancer Mm. and it was terminal. Yeah. So we then made a decision of, look, we'll come back to the UK, mm-hmm. um, and this sounds really bad, but heaven forbid, when my mum passes, if we hate it here, nothing then stops us going back. Yeah, but we don't want to miss that time with my mum in the yeah. meantime, and yeah, for everything, what if? Yeah. So we came back, um, yeah, we came back, and like I said, found out it was stage four terminal. There's nothing they can do for it. So I found that out that it was stage four cancer. My head went completely, yeah. and then call it fate, call it a sign, call it whatever you want. When I then got a new phone, because my phone had been launched in a canal, turned the phone on, the first message I got was from a guy called James Goff, who's a good mate of mine now, who's a online coach, fitness trainer. Um, basically just cold DM'd me, saying, do you want to get your shit in order? I specialise in helping busy professionals like yourself, it clearly was on Facebook finding fat cunts. 
um, to target, right? I heard you typed in Fadjul. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was the second one on the list. He's looking for the song. He's looking for the rap. Hi, Fadjul. What's love? Um, so he messaged me and I said, right, give me a call. And he would give me all the pitch. I'm like, just send me a payment link and I'll, and I'll pay it. He's like, yeah, but what about I'm like, just send me the payment link before I change my mind. I'm mad that something like that can trigger a response like that. Yeah. Um, and the attitude I got at that time was that she'd had that choice taken away from her. Mm. She couldn't help it. She's going to die. And in my eyes, I mean, man, I was bad. Like, I were out of breath climbing stairs. Like, I could only lift kids so high because my arms didn't go a certain like, way above me. It, on, oh, mate, it was horrendous. Mm. I, were, I, were in, I were really bent out of shape. Yeah. Really bad. Um, so, yeah, so I just, I just had the view of she's had that choice taken away from her. I'm not going to waste mine. And I want to see my kids grow up. Um, so yeah, then I then started on my, I hate the wanky phrase, but fitness journey. Um, and but for me, it would it was changing habits. So yeah. we changing daily habits. So it were just simple to start. We getting steps in every day. It were trying to get a good night's sleep, which I've never been great at sleeping. Yeah. It were monitoring my food, what I'm eating, and it were training, resistance training. At the time, I think I was doing four days a week. I had five now, but. Um, it, and it was just getting in this habit with it, and I fell in love with it. Like, I've always trained on and off, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, really like getting a proper routine with it. Going into a gym, having a program, and knowing I've got to do this, then this, then this, then this, then this, and then next week but going yeah. in and trying to beat those numbers again. Mate, I, what's my your background in finance and numbers and that probably is that that kind of fits with your. Well, I've got this plan. I've got to get this number into here. I've got to hit this number next. I've done that number there. That probably helped you a ton, I bet. Yeah, yeah, like a bit. Subconsciously. I'm competitive, I'm competitive as well. Like, I boxed as a kid growing up. Yeah. So I were always, like, super fit yeah. until I went to Abu Dhabi and then started boozing yeah. and then started eating way too much. And yeah. that's when it all started brewing on. Yeah. And at what point then? How did you find out about my book? Through James Smith. Oh, really? Well, no. I Sorry, that's a lie. I found out through your book, through your social media, but I followed you through... Through Smith. Through James Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Where were you at then in your life then? Like, where was that? Was I that were, after your mum had died? Yeah, so like, we came back. We ended up coming back. The, yeah. So this was in summer 2019. We came back January 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, great, and, t- great timing. Well, yeah. And... <laughs> For us, COVID were a massive blessing, yeah. even though it actually ended up killing my mum in the end. I'll yeah. come on to that in a minute. But yeah. because I were doing two weeks UK, two weeks travelling around the Middle East, I oh, fucking hated it, man. Because, and but talking to Zoom again, like I'd been using Zoom for a good 12 months before anyone knew what Zoom were. I knew it inside out, upside down, on its yeah. head. Yeah. But trying to educate my clients to using Zoom, who'd been used to seeing me and having FaceTime with me yeah, and having and a coffee, coffee with me yeah. for the last four years. Yeah. I used to get, well, when are you out here next? I'm like, oh, two and a half weeks. Yeah. Don't worry, Joe, I'll wait. I'm not in a rush. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I didn't really, really help me with my yeah, targets and my yes. bills. And yes. and what it ended up, what it actually ended up doing is turning f- like that two-week trip I was traveling, I was in 20-hour days, not sleeping. Like, you were having to squeeze as oh, much as you could horrendous. in at that time. Yeah. So the three days before I went, I was I was vile, like horrible. Because you didn't want to go. I was like, yeah, didn't want to go. Didn't want to leave the kid. Didn't want to leave Laura. Yeah. I was that stressed because yeah. I knew I'd be that busy, yeah. and I wouldn't sleep for two weeks. Yeah. And then after I came back, you were fucking another four days where I'd be like a zombie. 
Yeah. And I'd want to get pissed. Yeah. Because you I'd been like in you. Saudi Arabia for two weeks. Yeah. I and it I was just it. yeah, and it, it. it just it were horrendous. But then like one of these business trips, if a meeting moves what should be a business, potentially that's another month before I can speak to that person again. Yeah. Because if I can't fit him in that two weeks, it's then my next trip. And it would just it was so stressful in so yeah. many parts. And then COVID. Which then overnight everyone got used to working. Everyone had to handle Zoom, yeah. Yeah. And I was very, very well prepared. Not prepared for COVID. Nobody knew, did they? Yeah. But I had systems in place where I'd been trying to graft out for a year. Yeah. Which just slotted in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they they were forced to, rather than you trying to convince them to do it, it was like, well, this is just how it is now. Yeah. 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 Um, Talk me about, um, so yeah, so COVID and your mum. That were difficult because we couldn't see her. Even though we come back to spend time with her, we couldn't see her. And my mum had got the attitude of, through the pandemic, this was 2020, my mum had got the attitude of, I don't give a shit, I'm going to die. I want to see my grandkids. Oh, okay. But me and Laura got the attitude of... I don't want to speed that up. I couldn't... You don't want to make you sick. I couldn't imagine if... And this when we knew not a lot about COVID. This yeah. when we've seen the videos of the Chinese people dropping dead in the streets, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, this was when I used to go for a dog walk and I used to take a, a dog shit bag and open the gate with it because I didn't touch the gate sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh mate, got it made for a good yeah. couple of months. Yeah. Um, until I got COVID and realised it weren't as bad it's as they made mad, out. It's mad. I think about some of them things where you were like, you're only allowed out once a day. Yeah. What? Yeah. You couldn't sit down on a park bench. Yeah. You could... You could you had to wear a mask to stand up, but if you're sitting down, it's okay. You you, you can't eat inside unless it's inside a fucking tent. Yeah, like everyone does. Just put tents outside. Mad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's a mad time. Um, so that was a difficult... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were having sort of disagreements with my mum on that. She's like, I don't care. And I'm like, but mum, we do, because if you catch something off us and something happens to you, I'm like, I'll never be able to live with myself. Yeah. Um, so that was through 2020. Then obviously it got a bit looser, didn't it? Back end of 2020, we started seeing her then. Um, and then her, she was having chemo all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, her cancer then started getting a lot more aggressive. Yeah. And then in f- end of Feb 21, mm-hmm. she then um, went into hospital. It, the can- it was breast cancer, but it spread to her bones. It spread, and every time they did another test, oh, it's now spread here. Oh, it's now spread here. Yeah. It was a super aggressive type. Yeah. Triple negative something or the breast cancer one. Yeah. Um, and it had spread to, I can't remember which one of her organs it had spread in. And they were, she went in the hospital to have this organ removed or part removed or have some of the cancer taken out to sort of slow down the spread. And while she was in hospital, um, she caught COVID and never came out. Oh, um, which was horrendous. We yeah. couldn't go and see her because it was at the high, it was early 2021. So my mum spent the last two weeks on her own in a hospital bed. Hardcore. Um, and then one day out of the blue, and it it got to the stage well where we were getting weird calls off her. Yeah. So like she filmed it one day, like, and my mum's, like she was really aggressive with me one day on the phone. Yeah. And she filmed it 20 minutes later, like, as if, like, as if she completely forgot the conversation we just had. Yeah. Um, and so we were ringing the hospital 
and I know the busy, but yeah. no doctors would speak to us. We were getting third-hand information. Yeah. What didn't help, my mum's got two sisters who adore her, and yeah. obviously my nan. So there's all of us ringing the hospital. Yeah, no yeah. one would go, everyone stop. We'll have one point of contact. Like, you don't think at the time, no. do you? Everyone's no. like, I need to find out, I need to find out, I need to find out. So we're all pecking the hospital's head, which I'm guessing pissed them off even more. Well, and then you've also got to think all of the patients have got all of those amount of people pecking their head as well. Yeah. yeah. So we weren't getting the information back. The doc- Whenever the doctors did speak to us, they're telling us one thing, but then my mum's telling us another. So it's like, right, what's right? And yeah. and then my dad got a phone call out of the blue one day saying, you can come in and see her. So he phoned me up, wow, this is amazing. I'm like, and I didn't say to him, but I'm like, it's not really, is it? doesn't sound good. Yeah. Um, so my dad went in to see her, and then he phoned me the next day saying I'm in seeing her again. Um they've basically said that that's it. Mm. Um and then I got a phone call four AM about three, four AM the next morning saying we've had the call. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean the call? Yeah. It's like the call. Yeah. My brother will phone me actually. Yeah. Um so we went in and we were sat with my mum for an hour. She was right as rain. Yeah. She was happy. Um, and then my dad said, why don't you two get off? Because they were me, my dad and my brother in the yeah. room with them. Yeah. She why don't you two get off? Um, there's nothing we can do. She's fine. Which yeah. I took as a hint that he wanted to be on his own with you. Yeah. So we then left, went to my na- we drove straight to my nan's mm-hmm. where my aunties were. Mm-hmm. And then I was there five minutes and we got a call saying, get back now. Um, yeah, and I literally held my mum, held my mum's hand when she died. Mm. I mean, me, you could not have been there. <sighs> yeah. What would be your advice then? Because there's bound to be someone in in here who's going through that or will go through that in their life. What would be some of your advice on? Dealing with that, oh, I've never dealt with death at all. One. I didn't deal with it very well. Did you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> well, one of my questions was, and I thought it was a bit of a mad question. I didn't ask it; it was in my head. I'm going to say it now. Was what would you have done differently? Um, I. God, it sounds like during it, you were actually doing all right. I w- you were I dealing pushed, with it I well. You were supportive. Yeah, I think my mum didn't. She didn't, I don't think, I'd, whether she didn't know, yeah. or whether she didn't want to tell me the yeah. full extent of just how bad it was. Yeah. But I sort of like just kept pushing it aside. Like yeah. I knew she was going to die one day. Yeah. But we're all going to die one day. Like yeah. that's, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it would just, it didn't seem real. Yeah. Until, until it was. It ha- until it was, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And then after that, we funeral to plan i were busy doing that yeah we sorted all that out yeah um i spoke at my mum's funeral yeah which was difficult but i'm yeah. glad i did then it was then after all that was sorted and business were going really well i just took an attitude of do you know what fuck it, i'm not gonna work three months yeah i'm just gonna spend time with my family family matters more than anything i'm gonna spend time with my family which was the worst thing i could have done <laughs> 
because I'd gone, not spending time with family, but I'd gone from this routine get it. to doing nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the kids, you just had the boys at this point, I yeah. bet, right? Yeah. So you just had the boys, like, what do you do with them but when they're was, that young? Yeah. But it was still COVID and that, and Laura was heavily pregnant as well. Yeah. Um, with Aubrey. Yeah. So we couldn't do anything, go anywhere, couldn't yeah. see anything. Um, and I just, yeah, I just spiralled like completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just angry. Mm-hmm. I was snappy. I was vile to Laura and kids. Mm-hmm. Dogs were frightened to death of me. I walked in, dogs would cower. Oh, shit. Um, I just couldn't control my emotions mm-hmm. at all. And that was when I was like, right, something needs to change now. So I reached out to a therapist, mm-hmm. psychologist, psychiatrist. Thought, right, I'll try it again. Yeah. And well, I just spoke to two. Mm-hmm. And they just made me... What I didn't like about them, I'm very logical. So for me, Practical. the quickest route from A to B yeah. is a straight line. Yeah. Show me what to do and I'll do it. Simple as that. Whatever it is, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'd be speaking to these therapists and it was like they were making excuses for me. Yeah. And, and they'd be like... That's interesting. And I'd be like... I called my wife a cunt this morning. Yeah. Well, there are extenuating circumstances yeah. that have led you to this point. I'm like, but I called my wife a cunt. Like, I shouldn't do that. But like, yeah, but it's not your fault. I'm like, it is my fault. Yeah, because I said it. I am the one that said it. Yeah. Well, but what you need to think, and I'm like, no, and it's like they were trying to excuse me behaviour. That's interesting, yeah. Um, and I'm like, look, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. So you, and I suppose like, what they're trying to to. to to, to get across, I think, is like what, it ought, well, this is why you're doing it. But you probably already knew that. This is what, okay, I get why I'm doing it, but how do I fucking stop yeah. doing it? Yeah. yeah. But at the time, yeah. I didn't care why we were doing it. Yeah. I just wanted it to stop. Yeah. Um, I'm like, whatever it is, I don't care. Just show me the answer and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Just help me get from A to mm-hmm. B as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I started the same thing with them. Do not try prescribing me anything. <laughs> At all, yeah. because I'll never speak to you again. Yeah. Um, no, no, I won't do that. I don't know this. So, and because I like to commit to stuff, I think I paid for three months block booking. Um, I'm like, right, I'm in for three months. Yeah. I had the first session with them, the first one. I had second session with them, and then they started talking about meds. So I just didn't see them again. I just, yeah. like, I just ghosted them then blocked yeah. them. Um, yeah. And then the chase, well, what, what about all your brand? I don't care about the money, just keep it. I just, I'm not speaking to you again. Mm. I actually, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And the second one I had, <laughs> um, it was just this American guy. Do you think at this point you'd had a bit more preconceived ideas because you'd had two experiences where you're like, oh, this is not for me? I, I still thought I'd try. I, I saw, I, I don't know if the third, third guy was actually a psychiatrist or such. I think he was like a life coach high performing whatever it is whatever they want to call it. whatever you guys call yourselves these days fuck you <laughs> do not put me in that category but again he was very, my own category he was very thoughts and feelings and you were very much yeah. like and he sat there with his check shirt on with fucking elbow patches on glasses sat behind his computer on zoom sat behind his computer and you have a mullet sounds like you'll have a mullet glasses on like uh, typical like yeah. psychiatrist look sort of thing yeah and I'm chatting away to it <laughs> And and I don't know if it's my own paranoia. I convinced myself we were on Facebook while they were talking to me. Really? And you weren't paying attention. You probably were. Yeah. But That's interesting. I just it? lost it with him. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like you. I can't relate to you. 
and it was the same. He like they were just like they were trying to make excuses for Molly Coddling. Yeah, that's what happened to me. I felt like I was getting Molly Coddling. I needed someone to wake us the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. And that's what brought me essentially brought me to you because I've been following your content for a while, mm-hmm. and then I was going camping with kids. Actually, I was taking the boys camping mm-hmm. that weekend. First and last time I've been camping. <laughs> Realised like, <laughs> I like five star hotels in a tent and shitting in a communal toilet. Yeah. But um and downloaded your audio book and then listened to offer it on the way there, offer it on the way back. And I, I basically just cried most of the way through it. Oh shit. Because you related to the Oh mate, it like resonated with me so much. Mm-hmm. Um and that's when I just had the decision of You sent us a mad thing with God. You. Mate, I'm coming back. <laughs> I need to pick up. Final version of the contract. Here we go. Here we go. We're signing contract. Exciting time. So, so before we get on to the, the, the mad email, one of the maddest emails I've ever got, <laughs> right? It certainly got me attention. You seem to be a guy that is very spots a problem, looks for a solution. I think more people need to be like that. Because all of this has been like, I've got a problem. I fuck up for a little bit. I, I kind of, I jumble around for a little bit. I scramble around for a little bit, but then I, I take fast action and then I take the action. I, sorry, I, I find someone who can help me with this. Because every one of these, you'd be like, well, I found someone that can help me. Yeah. So you've done that every single time here. We've got, yeah. we've got yeah. John, that, we've got your mum's <laughs> friend that helped you get the job. Like uh, you've got your mum's friend that helped you get the job. You've got John that helped you get the job. Yeah. You've got uh, out of shape, found a PT, and then you've got, where we're on to now, like at numerous points, you've been like, right, I'm in a pickle. I can't believe I've just said that. I'm in a pickle. Wow. I fucked up. I'm in a pickle. <laughs> wow. I'm in a pickle. Right. Okay. How am I going to fix it? And who can help me fix it? I've noticed that you've just got that theme all the way through. I think more people need to be like that. Yeah. I, I'm, look, I've never been frightened or asking for help. Mm. Um, and I've always had, the, I suppose that goes from me being a, 
sort of young kid really. Yeah. When I when I boxed growing up, there was I always looked up to the to the pros in the gym, mm-hmm. and the, most of them, a couple got to like English British level, yeah. a few Central Area titles, yeah. but none of them really sort of made insane levels. Yeah. Uh, I worshipped him. Like, yeah. I worshipped all the older guys. Want to be them. Want to copy them. Yeah. So I've always, I think I've always tried molding myself around. I've always seen what I want. Yeah. And sort of tried yeah. mirroring and copying that. Yeah. I think that's a powerful and thing. Extract as much information. One of the first things I learned about personal development was Robbins was like the fastest way to to uh, to get to where you want is find someone that's already there and ask them. Like yeah. it's fast. Yeah. It's fast. So the email that I get from Joe. I think I got an email, I think I got a Facebook message, I think I got an Instagram message, and I think I got a LinkedIn message. I thought you were full of shit. And you were, <laughs> it was something like, I thought you were full of shit. Because obviously the podcast, Paul Moore talks shit. I thought you talked shit or something. And then it was like, I read your book, don't care what it costs, I mean. I was like, all right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and then the rest history, talk to me about... Um, some of the other changes that you've made, because I remember when you first came in, you wanted in at the top level, which was more business, but you were the first person that was like, actually, Paul, I need less help with business and more help with this other stuff. Yeah. So back then it was, uh, what were some of the thing? what are some of the changes that you've made in, in terms so, of that? Because I know you've had a big change family-wise as well, right? Oh, yeah. And time. Yeah. 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 So I went through, I, I well and truly hit the fuck it button that summer before I reached out to you. I was imposing way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going AWOL. And I would just, I, I just wasn't, I was just vile to be around to my kids. You did the eat out to help out. What's that? You did the eat out to help out. Remember yeah, that? I did eat the out to help out, help out. as well. <laughs> In uh, a tent. Yeah. That was the closest you ever came to camping again, I bet. Yeah. yeah <laughs> fucking again. mocky. It's wild, isn't it? That that was oh, the thing. Oh, mate, but I, so I did what I always do with everything. I went to, what's the big? Excess. <laughs> what's the big camping stores? Well, oh, go outdoors. Shit. I go outdoors. I in, I'm like, right, I need your biggest tent. I need all the equipment. The burghouse gear. Yep. Burghouse <laughs> tent I got <laughs> with the three bedrooms in it. Right. I spent three grand on camping gear. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Spent three grand on camping gear within once. Shit, that's wild. The last time be, I did it was actually it was right next hotel. actually mate, it was right next to you. Man, I was texting you. I'm saying I'm driving through this town. It's weird as fuck. You're like that's right next to me. It was what <laughs> Nina decided she wanted to go and she wanted to sleep in the back of my jeep, right? So I was like, right, how can we do this? And I was like, well, Sunderland, I'm playing Sheffield United away. So I got tickets for Sheffield United. We went to sleep in this. Uh, went to sleep in the back of the car, and I bought Nina. But Nina bought with her own money. She bought a, a stove that we could cook on. She bought camping chairs. She bought a, a mattress, a blow-you-up mattress. She bought all the food and that with her own money, bless her. And we went to get in the car after the game. We drove from the game to the campsite. The campsite was closed. We couldn't get in. They locked the gate. So we went to sleep, like, at the gate of the campsite, right, in the in the pitch, in a country lane where we were sleeping. And I, uh, so we set it all up and that. And uh, we got in the in the back of the Jeep and the, the, the blow-up bed bust straight away. So we ended up going, <laughs> we ended up driving a fucking, I think Rotherham and getting in a holiday in instead. I so, and we've never been back to sleep in the car. I we've got a good story though. Yeah, I'll always remember her laughing so hard because we're sitting on the, we're lying on this thing and it's just going, it's just just screaming. I'll never forget that now. But I, that camping's not for me either. Nah. So you're going at it hard that summer. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about these changes then. Because I think this is, yeah, so, I think this is packed for people. This part, yeah. So, biggest changes for me are 
I've always been one for accountability. Mm-hmm. So biggest change is having the accountability, having checking myself, mm-hmm. holding me accountable, not mm-hmm. just to my own standards, but to yours as well. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about some of those standards you raised then. Talk to me about like it, what you did, what it, you actually did. It was more getting a grip on my emotions. Yes. And sort of what, what I'm thinking, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Big part of that was journaling, mm-hmm. um, which when I, Try explaining <laughs> this to people. I sound like a twelve-year-old girl. It needs a different name. It does need. A I think it needs. Name. I call it prompted journaling because essentially, and this is what I love about it. And I'd love to explain this concept that I'm obsessed with. This at the minute is this concept of prompted journaling. Is essentially your brain's always asking questions. So, and this is what's amazing about a placebo, right? I will ask you a question. Your brain will look for references. It'll find a photo. It doesn't even have to be you that's done it either. So it'll find a it'll find a reference in your head, a memory, or or a, something projected in the future. It'll it'll show you a picture of it mentally, and then your brain will produce neuropeptides right around this feeling, answer this question that you've asked yourself, and then it'll send these neuropeptides down your spinal cord to the hormonal centers, and you get a feeling. And I'm like, I think that's amazing. Like I'm like, what the fuck? Why on? people teaching this why aren't people sharing it why do we not why do kids not know about this yeah. and that starts with a question like it's people aren't even aware of it. that starts waking up with the question so mate when people come to me and they start saying i feel like this and i feel like that and i feel this and i feel shit and i feel and the first question i ask them is how do they want to feel and here's the mad part is they can't even answer the question because when you, it's mad when you start asking how i want to feel okay that makes sense but well, what makes you feel like that and then they'll start feeling like that just by saying they want to feel like that. Yeah. It's mad. I've realised that my brain enjoys, and I'm very good at, I love solving problems. Um, and again, I was thinking about this the other day. I think that goes all the way back to my childhood as well. Because mm. as a kid, I was obsessed with, you know, the Mensa puzzle books. Yes. Um, my dad used to buy me them and I used to be obsessed with him as a kid really? oh man I used to fly through them I loved solving problems solving yeah. puzzles building stuff yeah. taking stuff apart um, and same with, my, same with my work as well essentially that's what I do every day someone comes to me with a problem sometimes they don't even know they've got a problem and I help them solve it yeah. um, with their financial plan and what you see is and this is this is I hope you're going to get this but what you have is something visual yeah. Because you can't solve those numbers problems in your head, really. Yeah. You need to see it. Yeah. And is this what you're saying about journaling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm very, I'm, I'm very visual with stuff like that. But yeah. what I've found is if my, if I don't give my brain problems to solve, it creates problems. Yep. That's called anxiety. Um, That's called anxiety. Yeah. That's how people create so much anxiety. I say this about health anxiety all the time. I'm like, what do you got going on in your life? Well, nothing. So your brain's just looking for, I mean, health anxiety for me is no different to any other kind of anxiety. It's just that's how it shows up. Yeah. And, I, and I get a lot of stick for this, but I'm like, well, actually, look, at I never, you, you're not born anxious. You start to create anxiety as your life shrinks. So the more open my life is, the more, the wider my circle is, the wider my frame of reference is, the wider my, my and he calls it a divergent, Thing he calls it, Joe Dispenza calls it a divergent vision. Like I've got loads going on. I've, I'm seeing loads of people. I'm doing loads of shit. And then, as we get older, it's like for most people that this vision or this focus, he calls it divergent focus. Actually, starts to converge and starts to become smaller, and you start to make up all these problems that don't exist. And I'm like, well, actually, that's a. It's almost a symptom of having nothing else going on in your life. Not f- not going after enough shit. Not solving enough problems. Not having a sense of purpose. So your brain's like, well, what can I worry about? Yeah. And it used to get me worse middle of the night. So I'd wake up at two in the morning 
wide awake. It's always worse then. Everything's always worse when it's dark. You've not done this. You've not done that. You need to sort this. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? So what I find journaling naturally does it in the morning, it sort of steers my brain where to go. Yes. Which tells my brain what to look for Mm -hmm. with things like who you're going to help today. What's good with this part of your day today? Who do you need to follow up with? Yeah. What are the, and my favourite one is what problems could you face today? People don't like answering that question, you know. Isn't that interesting? People don't, they're like, oh, it makes me feel negative. I'm like, yeah, but it's also the real. Nine times out of ten, it's my kids playing up. It's, <laughs> mine's food. Mine's food. What could stress me out today? Food. Or, or it's like, what could stress me out today? Some cunt on the internet. But yeah. it's, it, what it, what, what, the reason I love that question is because those things are probably going to happen and you'll, you'll, you'll respond to them unconsciously. You'll just do what you've always done. Yeah. So I'm like, well, this is making me conscious of what I might unconsciously react to. So now, because I've woken up to it in the morning, I've woken up to that fact that that could happen. I've now got, I'm not going to deal with it in the way that I always deal with it. I mean, I might, but at least I've got something else where I'm like, oh, I predicted this would happen. So, and here's how I, here's who I said I would be. Yeah. I love that. Who did you say you would be when things got hard? Who did you say you would be when yeah. someone said something nasty to you? And, and joking aside, that is actually what, what I sort of put on a regular basis with the kids mm-hmm. because that was one of the main reasons I came to you initially was kids would do X, I'd fucking explode. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think then? Because this is very common. It doesn't even have to be kids. It could just be reactions. What are some of the things then? You mentioned journaling that. What do you believe has helped you handle that? What do you Stop think reacting. that's... Yes. So... First thing I do is try and keep as much time between myself and the actual trigger itself. Um, so take a deep breath without reacting, first mm-hmm. of all. Mm-hmm. Think of the outcome that I want mm-hmm. and then also try and put myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And when I'm doing that with a four-year-old... It's funny that we've talked about that this morning, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm doing that with a four-year-old, yeah. ah, he's a fucking kid. I think that all the time when people Pick come to me up. with kids with that no, challenges with their kids. Of course they're going to do that. Yeah. Well, you're someone that pushed the boundaries with well, yeah. teachers and that, right? Yeah. And it's a mad thing because um, that all sounds really easy to say, oh, let's people take a deep breath. But I think for me, it's just practice. Just keep, yeah. just, and I think what people expect is like an instant shift. Oh, I was reacting and now I'm not. You've got, there's loads of bits in between that. I'm like, when you first start, just notice, like just, most people don't even know they're doing it. Mm. So just knowing that you're doing it, it's actually a win. That's like, if you, if we talk about, you kick off straight away as being A, and Z is, I'm Zen, right? Yeah. There's fucking, how many numbers between that? I don't know. How many numbers in the alphabet? 24, 26. We should know this, shouldn't we? We should. Cut this bit out. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. No, it's 28, I'm guessing. So, but there's 28, can you see how there's 28 bits yeah, between yeah, that? Yeah. So B might be, oh shit, yeah, I'm away, I'm doing it. Now, just knowing. C might be next time you apologise really quickly. Because yeah. I'm like, if I have a kickoff, I apologise really yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really quickly. Because I don't, because I'm human. Do you know what I mean? I can't just go from this to that. I can't get from A to Z in a day. Especially the longer I'm practised at it. So you might have 30 odd years of being a reactive fucker, yeah. right? You're not going to fix it in a week or two weeks. I'm like, this is, a, and it's also a lifetime thing. I've got to keep doing this forever. So I think the first step is awareness. The second step is, okay, I'm catching myself now. I'm catching, I'm getting a little bit, and then you catch it a bit faster, and then you'll catch it a bit faster, and then you'll catch it a little bit faster. And then you might, one day you might display characteristic C again, because, and again, this is a, a big influencer, and it may, I think, is your energy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, completely people agree. talk about anger, and I'm like, how do I deal with anger? I'm like, the first thing you got to do is get a handle on your energy. 
but like that's easily the first thing you've got to do because what you'll notice is that you're more reactive and you're angrier when your energy's shit. Yep. I'm sure there's a Snickers advert with Elton John where Elton John's kicking off and someone says you're not the same when you're hungry or something. Is that, <laughs> that's a thing, in it? Yeah. Remember the one with Mr. T? Get some nuts. You ain't hurt. You're pathetic. Get some nuts. <laughs> uh, they're not allowed to do that anymore, are they? No. Nah, I remember when they used to have that Yorkie advert, the Not For Girls thing. I was telling Nina about it. She thought it was amazing. You remember that advert? Not for yeah. girls, Yorkie, not for I girls. I remember my brother's 18th birthday party fancy dress, mm -hmm. and I went as Mr. T. Did you? Yeah, we have, we tilted belt full of Snickers. Be your Baracus. After a few drinks, I'll throw Snickers belt. Oh, be get some nuts, yeah. you ain't hurt. <gasps> I'm getting no plane. <laughs> I, See, I think energy's a huge fucking part in that, do you? Yeah, yeah, big time. So, again, when I'm tired, I don't react as well. If I'm hungover... Uh, which is very, Fucking very rare hell. these days. But guess what? Don't react as well. Yeah. Um, and the biggest compliment I've had with that is, well, there's two really. One is dogs. Dogs have complimented me on it. <laughs> <laughs> but the dogs on, I, I went through a phase when I started with you where if I'd moved quick, the dogs would shy away. Mm -hmm. And it, it broke my heart mm -hmm. that... I'd got to the stage where the dogs were frightened. Now, that's like when you see kids in movies where the dad lifts a hand and they go. Yeah. yeah. Dogs were, the dogs got like that with me. Yeah. Because um, it'd be like, I'd be sat on the sofa when I were at the worst with that. I'd be sat on the sofa and I'd be stroking one of the dogs and then they'd get a bit carried away. Try licking my face or jumping up yeah. or like pouring at me. Yeah. And I end up snapping at them. Yes. So they, they got to the stage where they were frightened of me. Yeah. They wanted my attention, but yeah. at the same time they were wary of it. That's more or less subsided. Um, and compliment that Laura gave me as well, just saying how much more chilled out I am with yeah. the kids. Yeah. So it's just nice to see people around you noticing that. Yeah, because sometimes that would have also taken a while as well, because oh, you sometimes yeah. get to the point where you're not getting feedback, where you're like, what the fuck's the point yeah. in this? Yeah. yeah, And you see that all the time in everything, actually, where people don't know, especially with anything like feelings, you don't know whether it's working. Yeah, but I, I, but again, I, feel, I can hand on heart say I feel so much better in myself. Like, mm. there's no... So I remember when I was seeing these therapists, like the question both of them asked me, do you feel depressed? And I'm like, what's depression? Sometimes. What, I, what is depressed? Sometimes I do, I. And they couldn't answer it. Like, well, it's different for everyone. I'm like, you tell me what it is and I'll tell you if I feel it. Or not. Yeah, yeah, that's um, interesting. So I probably didn't start off with the best <laughs> attitude with them. Yeah. I just want to argue with him. It's an interesting question. If you feel question, anxious, I'm like, tell me what it is and I'll tell you if I am or not. Yeah. Um, and that, again, that for me is... You said something before about labeling yourself. It's not super glue, it's, yeah. it's Velcro. It labels yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Well, I was made I fucking hell that journey for me. I got all sorts first, and I haven't talked about this much because because of what happened to me, it kind of just got pushed to the side. But I'm, you were talking about online tests before, man, when you were talking about labels. I did a, so I was diagnosed ADHD first before bipolar. So, but the bipolar thing just took over that I just forgot about the ADHD. And then last December, someone was telling me that they'd recently been, and I was like, you're not ADHD. So I did five tests. I passed them all with flying colours. Mate, I am ADHD off the fucking scale. I did one test. Me and Leslie sat and did the test. And I was like, this may as well be, every question must might, may as well just be, are you poor mode? Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. I was like, and I thought that was just who I was. I did three recently. Uh, recently, six months ago. So it was. And everyone I did was... We recommend you get tested. 
You reckon we recommend Catholic you speak something to your like doctor. we did one with Cat. I did one with, and I was Catholic at this. It was something to do with being a fucking serial killer or something. I'm not yeah. even kidding. I was like, geez, it's mad. But yeah. I would, I, and again, I'm not. I haven't delved too much into this. It just hasn't been something that I've studied. Even though I was diagnosed it and given pills for it, and then I was that changed it all over on the bipolar pills and that. I just never looked into it because the whole bipolar and depression thing took over. Um, but it's something that I'm re really interested in. And I was like, I look at my life now, and I've kind of just it's weird. I've adapted to it. I just got to this point where I'm like, I'm not going to force myself to do that anymore. And I remember Dr. John Martini in that same year, 2020, January. It was the last time I flew for about fucking 18 months. I went out there and he was like, he was describing ADHD. And he was like, what you'll find is that people who, who, who have this attention deficit disorder is that they can't concentrate and focus on things that they don't value. But there are some things in their life that they get obsessed with. They get obsessed with it. They have attention. He called it attention surplus disorder. They spend too much time doing some other things that they love. So his, his example is this, and this is an obvious one, is you put a kid in a fucking geography class, no interest, label him ADHD because he's distracting people, but you put him in front of a fucking video game, can't get him off it. It's mad that, isn't it? Yeah, I get You that. put me in front of numbers, mate. I'm out. Yeah. I can't, my brain just, it's not. It's yeah. not, it's just not, it doesn't seem wired yeah. for it. But then you put me in front of football, I get obsessed. So you know when people say they've got like yeah. an obs, people say they take their personality, but they get obsessed with certain things. So I just got to this point where I heard him say that and it just, something was just like, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. So then I, I just I'm stopped, exactly I stopped trying to force myself to concentrate on things that I've got no fucking interest in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the, like certain books, I'm like, I can't, this is not for me. Yeah. And, and that's something I've took from you as well that, Within my business, if yeah. I just I try and build my business around me just doing the stuff that I want to do, like the same sort of thing. If you put me in front of ten emails that I've got to send, it'll probably take me three hours. Yeah. You say right for the next X amount, you put me in front of video camera, mm -hmm. and I'll sit and I'll stand and I'll mm -hmm. record content and I'll talk into the camera. Yeah, and, and you're not get distracted. No, 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 love it. Yeah, you can tell I'm not there because I'd be distracting you the whole time. Joe, 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 yeah. look at this, Joe, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> But like admin work, like admin processes, stuff like that, paperwork, oh, I hate it yeah. with passion. And it takes me an age to do because yeah. I get distracted and I procrastinate and then, oh, I need another coffee. Oh, but I need to eat again. And then oh, I've, got no today, more, so. I've got no motivation. Yeah. Then you're oh, like, oh, I'm not I'm, motivated. Yeah. 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 I had this conversation the other day. I'm like, it's the same way. Like people, I got a bit of stick for this actually because I, I actually didn't handle it very well. Someone said, oh, I was like, the same question, what do you do? That makes your life harder. And someone's like, oh, I've got ADHD, so I get, I, I take too much on and I get overwhelmed on that. I'm like, well, what if that's not ADHD? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's that. If you're getting overwhelmed, it's usually you're not clearing your priorities and it's poor planning, taking too much on. And people are like, oh, that's a symptom of ADHD. I'm like, is it though? I think everything's a symptom. Of it's a it's a real interesting trend now, though, isn't it? And I, I just said it. I said it, and I didn't add enough context in my comments, so I took a lot of fucking pelters for it. And I, it was weird. The lad who said it was like, oh, I get it, Paul. I get it. Loads of people got triggered on his behalf. One of them even called me Sunshine. I was like, Sunshine? They were saying something about being condescending that. I'm like, you've just called me Sunshine? Let, let's talk about that then. I said I've had links. If I was covered in links, Africa and love bites, <laughs> I may as well have been back at school. You've just called me fucking Sunshine. What's your opinion of people that get offended on someone else's behalf? Uh, they lack. And again, this is me judging people, but that's you've asked me my opinion on them, so I'm going to give you it. They lack. They don't have much meaning in their life. So they're looking for things that energize them. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. 
they're looking for things that are going to energize them, make them feel a sense of purpose. Like, I remember, I remember, I really had to figure this out because there's a forum on the internet uh, where you can be anonymous. Remember forums? Remember yeah. those things? And someone sent me something where they started a thread about me, right? Though basically, it's a website where the t- people chat shit about celebrities and influencers and that. And part of me is like, oh, they've started one about me. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. So you read it. So I read it. I'm like, what the fuck's the matter with these people? Yeah. You're on a forum and all it's designed for is to attack people. That's all it's designed for. To mention, so it's just names and my name's on there. I hate this about him and I hate how he does this and he's gone off the rails and what does he even do and he's another snake oil salesman and all this shit. I mean, what, you've gone on a forum where the sole objective is to chat shit about people. And at first I was like, what the fuck's this? My friend Darren's seen it and he lost his shit with it. Me manager had to have a word with him and everything. And I was like, and I had to get my head around it. And I was like, actually, I'm not pissed off of these people. I feel sorry for them. Because to do that, imagine what your life must be like if you joined a forum under an anonymous name and you're hanging out in this place with other people who are also under an anonymous name just attacking someone. That's pathetic. Yeah. And I was like, they do it because it gives them meaning in their life. It gives, It energizes them. Because they've got nothing else going yeah. on. And that were a big thing for me as well within my business and creating content. Well, I bet now since you started creating content. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been called sexist from a middle-aged bloke before. Fancied you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had all sorts of shit on there. Because yeah. I'm quite opinionated. Yeah. And I'm not frightened to share my opinion either. Um, well, mate, if you, I think sometimes if you've got to make a, if you want to actually make a mark on social media and, and influence people and have a positive impact on people... You have to be opinionated. Yeah. You have to be. In fact, it's not even opinionated. That's that's not even what it is, right? Everyone's opinionated. What most people are is inauthentic. They're scared to share their opinion. It's not that they're not opinionated. It's that they're scared to share. Because everyone took, has an opinion on almost everything. And but that they're scared to share it. And that took to get my head around as yeah. well. Yeah. Because the first few years I was creating content, I was holding myself back from putting stuff out what I wanted to put out in the fear of being, ju- and it sounds insane when I say it out loud, but in the fear of being judged by other people in my industry. Mm-hmm. Who are never going to pay you money. Exactly. The only people on the planet who will never buy from me as clients. Mm-hmm. I will, and it, only when I got to the stage, and it was something that a good friend of mine taught me, he says, look, my, your opinion of me is none of my business. Mm-hmm. And when I got made around that, mm-hmm and stopped giving a fuck what people thought was mm. when my content got a lot better and it, sort of my channel and everything started growing. And I started being a lot more authentic on camera. Mm-hmm. I stopped wearing a suit and tie because I felt I had to wear a suit and tie. Yeah. I started speaking how I speak, mm-hmm. swearing a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and started sort of being more like myself mm-hmm. and coming across on coming across a lot better on mm-hmm. camera. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing, the authentic thing, because it, honestly, I've spoke about it on the stage before where I'm like, the word makes me sick. Because I get it just gets overused, but essentially, and I, again, this is something that I figured out was that authenticity is just a, it's the absence of inauthenticity. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? When you're being inauthentic, you're not, you're covering up your insecurities. You're trying to hide your imperfections. You're just trying to, you're just hiding, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Authenticity is essentially just not hiding anymore, not lying, not. Do you know what I mean? It's not even. And I think some people think, oh, well, that's about being brash and swearing and it's it's about being the loudest. I mean, actually, it's not. It's just having the courage to share your actual opinion yeah. instead of sharing an opinion that some people, that people will neither agree or disagree with. 
yeah. it's not actually yeah, really no, your opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I've got certain opinions on certain sort of things within my industry, which I share, and mm. it it divides it polar opposites. It polar opposites. We're making words. Polar opposites. There we go. So polarizes polarizes people in in two different camps with it. Um, but that's my opinion. But you're not and really doing it. To, I think sometimes you're not really purposefully trying to polarize people. You're oh, just no, saying I'm here's what I think. My here's my thoughts. Here's my feelings about yeah. it. Like yeah. if you don't agree, that's fine. We you know what? There's some everything. things I was thinking about this yesterday with Kath. I got off at a, on a podcast and I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to do that." And she was like, "Actually, I don't think you should do it. It's a bit political." And I was like, "Well, what are they going to ask?" And she, and she was saying, "Well, I'll ask your opinion on this." I'm like, "Well, actually, I don't have one on that." I'm like, "Sometimes it's okay to not have an opinion on something." I think one of the problems with the internet is people have strong opinions on things they know fuck all about. Yep. Don't they? I have opinions on things though. I'm like, mate, you've done, this is why I haven't got, I, I don't, I mean, I think he's a bit of a moron, but when I say my opinion on Andrew Tate is based on four fucking 30 second videos that I've seen. Yeah. And people are like, do you not want to form an opinion and do more research? I'm like, no. Why would I research a guy who I think I don't like? I've got nothing to gain from that. There's nothing in that for me. But there's just certain things. People are like, what's your opinion on the cost of living thing? I'm like, I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to research it because it doesn't make me feel good. It's just, well, don't you think you should be informed? I'm like, well, I can't be informed of everything. Do you know what I mean? And I think, the thing I've heard when people say, why don't you watch the news? And how do you know, not know about this and that? And how do you know what's going on in the world? I'm like, the, the news isn't what's going on in the world. There's loads of things going on in the world. The news is just showing me what it wants to show me. Showing you the most sensationalized version of it. So again, look what what sells more papers. Is it local man wins a million quid on the lottery, mm -hmm. or is it local banker local banker swindles a million quid from um, poor yeah. pensioners? Yeah. That's going to get more traction. Of course it is. So right? all the news ever portrays is the most negative stuff. Right. Um, and it's not what's going on in the world. No, it's, it's not. not. I'm like, the, the, this is the, a great analogy that I've heard is like the, the, the world, if we're talking about what's going on in the world, the world's like a jungle. And when you're in the jungle, you need to look up or look down. Everything's going on in the jungle. Everything is happening. There's so many things happening there. But if you look down, you could see a fucking snake eating a rat. If you look up, you could see a fucking hummingbird being born. The only difference is where your head is. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all that's different. But everything's happening. Yeah. Everything's happening. I can't keep up with everything that's happening in the world. And if it's important, I'll find out. I choose to put my attention on things that make me feel empowered, make me feel excited. Do you know what I mean? Make me yeah. feel inspired. That's And that's a... I don't even think people are aware they're doing this. I dropped a voice note on my Telegram this morning saying, like, there's a thing. We all know that if you put more bad stuff in your body than good stuff, you feel like shit. But people forget that there's, like, a diet for your mind. Yeah. That's put more bad stuff Facebook. in than good stuff. Oh, it's awful. It's a cesspit. It's so negative. Turn it into Twitter. And I think you can curate your newsfeed, but I can't essentially, I can't go around stopping who comments on my shit. Do you know what I mean? That's the, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm on... For that, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> Apparently I have 60,000 followers. Well, I've been called a tax-dodging parasite. Mm-hmm. Tax dodging cunt. Which is true. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, actually, you're, you're right, mate. Thanks for noticing. But, <laughs> oh, mate, it's insane. Like, and the amount, the things people like, argue with me on. i got an 18-year-old kid who lives at his mum's arguing with, arguing with me about all sorts of life stuff the Poor other day. Poor kid's wanking off like, with sandpaper on his hand. And it's just, it's so negative. I did a post the other day talking about tax. I've got a friend and she's a tax advisor, like she's super knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. She's got quite a decent following on TikTok and we did sort of a couple Call of operations together. Um, and I think the question was something about, should you tell that, how does, how will the tax man find out, right? And she's like, well, there's ways and means. They'll always find everything out. Mm -hmm. The amount of comments on it. 
saying, well, I've done this and I've yeah, done that. Slagging off the, oh, well, fucking, it's all bent, it's all this. Oh, and I'm like, mad, isn't it? what do you think pays for your ma's house when it's burning down? Like, who comes to save her then? What do you think pays for that? It's mad, isn't it? When your mum's ill in hospital, what pays for that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all, it's all getting, it's all this and all bent MPs. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's paying to clean your streets. It's paying to mm-hmm. hospitalise your mother. Not hospitalise her, but when she's in hospital, look yeah, after yeah. your mother. It's just, people don't sort of look at the That's big picture with And it. they're looking for an argument, man. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah, I remember the other week I posted, just a post saying, I'm going to do a video on Andrew Tate. Next thing I know, it's got 180 comments on it. And I haven't even given me opinion. I just said, I'm going to do a video. One mum was like, I'm not following you anymore. I'm disappointed to see this here. Disappointed to see what? The best comment I've ever had, a woman told me that I'd severely depressed her. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Severely depressed her when, when the new health secretary took over. You know, the big girl. Morbidly obese health no, secretary. No, I've heard about her. Saving the NHS. Oh, shit. I put a post out basically saying, look, um, if this is what's the saviour of the NHS, God help us. Because I think, if anything, she could be a burden on the NHS in the next 10, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it got turned into, it started fat sh- started our fat evil for fat shaming. Then it got turned into, I'm a sexist pig, because I wouldn't be saying it apparently if it were a bloke. Going even harder on a bloke. And some of the DMs I got, Wishing death upon me and all. Really? Oh, mate, it was insane. I spent a day on TikTok. And no, this one on Instagram. This. Oh, really? Yeah, sure. this one on Instagram. It was insane. Sure. And like I said, somebody said, you, you've severely depressed me today, Joe. I've followed you for a while. Um, you've severely depressed me today. I am unfollowing you. Yeah, I am not responsible for your feelings. And yeah. it's not a fucking airport. <laughs> don't need to announce your departure. You know what I mean? It's not a party. You don't it, need to tell us you're leaving. now triggered people get on. I saw someone yesterday that said they don't, they don't follow me. And then I looked and they hadn't. I just clicked. I was, I was like, who's this lady saying she's going to unfollow me because of this? And she hadn't even unfollowed me. I'm unfollowing. So, okay, fine. Thank Sammy you. I'm walking out of that room and shouting 30 times, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Please pay me some attention yeah. on the way out. Come on, yeah. somebody notice yeah. that I'm leaving. leaving. And someone begged me to stay. Please beg me to stay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like when them lads are having a... I see one yesterday of a guy. Do you know when they're like, a mates are holding them back? Mate, mate, if you really wanted to have that fight, you'd have the fight. <laughs> but, oh, don't hold me. Oh, hold me back. Hold me back. You know what I mean? If you want to have that fight, you'll have it. Uh, Tommy Fury. Aye. Joe Woodhouse, where do the guys find out uh, more about what you do, what you're up to? So the best place on Instagram where all my videos go um, and all my content. So Joe underscore Family Wealth 101. Family, Joe underscore Family Wealth 101. And I will tell you this, Joe's um, Instagram is not um, boring. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, it's not your typical financial advisor, IFA, no, nope. um, wealth manager content. Yeah, look, I'm a big believer. If you're smiling, you're happy, you're, you're laughing, you'll retain more information. So I try and make my content as entertaining as possible. Infotainment. Infotainment. Edutainment. Amazing. Edutainment. There you go. Joe Woodhouse, I've loved it, mate. Thank you. You too, bro. Bye.